Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 341 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Ah, thank you, Jeff, and uh, welcome everyone out there. Absolutely. Now, um, we talked about this in a recent podcast, Alois, but we have a public holiday coming up soon for a horse race. Indeed, yes, Tuesday. Bring it on. And <laughs> and and you know what happens? Like when a Tuesday is a holiday, Monday there aren't a lot of people going to work. <laughs> no, indeed, indeed. But under these strange times, there's normally like a hundred thousand people and. I don't understand this. Why would you go watch horses run? But a lot of people like it. But this year, due to COVID, no crowds. Yeah, exactly. I've been to the Melbourne Cup. It's quite exciting, quite an exciting day to get there and have a look and just a bit of atmosphere. But that was a long time ago. Now you've like now you've got a book to go and all that sort of stuff, you know. Like a, You've been. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I saw uh Kenzai win. Maybe. Well, there you go. Maybe I've been a couple of times, but, you know, my memory. <laughs> Amazing. Have yeah. you ever been to an AFL grand final? That's the footy. No, we shouldn't talk no. about that. No, I haven't. Been, no, I haven't been to an AFL grand final. And, and, and thank you for bringing that up, Jeff. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, last week we did discuss that Jeff's team was playing my team. And obviously by the previous few lines, you must know who won, the, uh, mm. the Mighty Tigers. The Tigers mauled the Cats. Yeah, the, although the Cats were leading at half time and they were looking, yeah. they were looking good, but yes. And then uh, we only scored two more goals to like eight or ten in the second half. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I told I told told you Tigers were tough. <laughs> you did, <laughs> you did. And um, and talking, you know, we're going to talk about this. Well, let's let's bring it up now in relation to comment of the week, but the the one of the players for Richmond has won three best on the grand final, best player on the grand final, they call it the Norm Smith medal after a famous AFL player, three times now, three in the last four years, he's been the best player in the grand final. Yeah. So people are starting to call him Dustin Martin the GOAT. Yeah, he uh, he he certainly did do well. I, I'd have to say I, I don't think last year he was the best player on the ground, but you know, but he <laughs> got was, the medal. He, he was close, but um, but yeah, it, it's it's amazing, isn't it, to to see athletes at the top of their game, and you know, and it's it is so hard to uh, to compare them. You know, we were talking about Waldner and Marlong. You know, who's the best? And you know, Robert Platt. It, uh, made a comment in the question about uh, that we, where we were discussing mm. uh, Waldner or Marlong. Um, I think he summed it up pretty well. He said, impossible to really say who's best. Waldner in his time was almost unbeatable at his peak. And same for Marlong. Wouldn't like to live on the difference between them. <laughs> I like that. Uh, both yeah. are obviously uh, amongst the best players ever to have played the game. And I think... Um, Robert, I think that's that's some pretty wise words because it's it is really hard to um, to differentiate between players from generations and you know styles and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, well well said, Robert. Absolutely, yeah. Comment of the week. <laughs> Comment of the week. Just just because of being very rational and uh, unlike 
I was perhaps last week <laughs> on, the, uh, on the show about Walner. Indeed. Now, yesterday, Alois, um, I ate a clock. It was very time-consuming, especially when I went back for seconds. <laughs> you you definitely got that from your son. That was funny. <laughs> Did you get – come on, fess up. Did kind you, of. Yeah, um, or, or from his, his footy team. <laughs> well, you know what happened the other day because yeah. they thought my jokes were so bad on this show <laughs> – <laughs> they bought me a, a dad jokes book for Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> yes. Finally, we may have a turnaround. I'm not sure, though. A lot of them are not that good. Well, you know, not, you not compared say, to the quality I usually bring. If you say they're not good, bring them on. <laughs> that is what I say. We might now actually have like bookends of, of a good joke of the week, thanks to your, your family. And an OMG facts, probably also thanks to your family. Oh dear! I mean, you know, just just to show you what they're like. Ready? My yeah. neighbour is really into music. Even his driveway is hard rock. See, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll give it a go. We'll, we'll bring bring on a few next week and see if uh, see if people like it. A few, gosh! I, I don't get don't get too carried away, Jeff. Like you know, one one or two is is fine. Thanks. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but what people do like hearing about is on this week. On this week, yes, indeed. So on this week, um, actually, well, tomorrow in Australia, the thirty first of October. Oh, Halloween! Oh, Halloween! Yes, Adriana Diaz's birthday. So. Adriana Yamila Diaz Gonzalez. Nice born, accent. Yeah, thank you. Uh, was born on the 31st of October 2000, Jeff. 2000. <laughs> who was born in this decade, in this century? Uh, who, yeah, my son. But um, <laughs> probably yeah, probably mine yours. too. Yeah. Um, a Puerto Rican table tennis player. Who would have thought that as well? Like, you know. Puerto Rico, like where did they come from as far as producing uh, yeah. great table tennis players? Yeah, so Adriana Diaz um, is 20, my goodness. Um, no teenager anymore. She's getting old. Um, <laughs> so gold medalist in the singles at the Pan Am Games, which is which is their really big uh, regional championships, um, and the uh, – and the Pan Am Championships as well. So in 2018, she won the Pan Pan American Championship singles, um, and also won that in 2017, and won the Pan American Games, which is like a multi-sport event, um, in 2019 in Lima, Peru. Um, so all also won the Pan American Cup on two occasions in 2019 and 2020, um, and has won the Central American and Caribbean Games in 2018. In the singles. So, you know, huge um, results already. And it's really exciting to see uh, players, you know, coming from countries like uh, Puerto Rico. You know, it, mm. it's, not the, it's not the traditional um, traditional table tennis cu- countries. But I think, you know, it's, it's a real credit to the ITTF and their um, development across the world. And, you know, the, the first uh, sport uh, of any to... 
um, have membership from every single country in the world. So amazing. Uh, yeah, it is. And so you know, um, yeah, well done to them. But wow, well done to Adriana Diaz. Already achieved so much, aged twenty. So I saw her at the uh, at the Australian Open. Actually, mm-hmm. no, it was the sorry, it was the World Juniors, the World Juniors ah. a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, and really impressed me. Just uh, just her style, you know, so attacking off both wings. Um, so yeah, great to see. And a happy birthday to Adriana Diaz. Happy birthday indeed. All right. Um, so let's move on now to the tip of the week. What do you have for us this week? Yeah, the the tip of the week is. How much should you train? It's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a question, but it's also a tip, you know, because you know I, I often um, have people come to me and say, you know, how much should I train to get better? Well, such a personal thing. If you're mm. if you're aiming to be world champion, you're not going to do that on one one hour a week of training. <laughs> no. Um, so you know there has to be some bulk of uh, of hours and and time on the table, and um, you know quality quality of uh, of training on there. But I also hear and and see a lot of players who feel really guilty. You know, oh, I can only do three sessions a week. I can only do you know four nights a week. Well, you know that's uh, that's the reality for for most players. And I think then it's more about how how good can that time on the table be? What's that quality really look like? Yeah. Um, and then it's not so much about, you know, how many hours, but it is about the quality, what you're doing during your training sessions. Um, and also not feeling guilty about not doing enough, you know, like um, you can, you can improve a whole lot in table tennis uh, a week. Um, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be playing every day. You don't have to be doing 20 to 30 hours on the table. Um, you can make some really big leaps forward um, on much less than that. And, you know, especially if, if we're talking about you out there as the as the club player, you know, I'm sure you don't have um, 20 hours a week to dedicate to, to your <laughs> table tennis. Yeah. If you're, if you're working full time or studying and uh, all those sorts of things. So it's about, it's about firstly just being comfortable with the hours that you have. And then secondly, just really working hard, um, both physically and mentally, during those sessions. So, um, you know, it, again, it doesn't mean that you've got to go out there and do, um, you know, five five hours of footwork. It means you need to be sensible with your training. It means you need to really tailor it to what you um, want to do and how is it really going to improve my game. That's Yeah. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you if you did want to be world champion, you're not going to do it on three sessions a week, I wouldn't think, these days, because you've got so many athletes that are just professional. But like you said, that's not really the goal for every person, is it? And so um, the other thing to think about is if your goal is not to be like world champion, but you just want to keep improving, then you want to play for a long time. So you've kind of got to enjoy your table tennis too. So you don't want it to be all just you know, a grind and really difficult, you've got to find a way to enjoy that training so that you can keep playing and training for a long time. 
Yeah, good points. And, you know, it's, and, and I think that goes back to the other point as well of, you know, if you're always feeling guilty and worried and, you know, um, that you're not training enough, then it's harder to enjoy it, isn't it? You, mm. um, you know, if you're just comfortable where you are, comfortable with what you're doing, um, yeah, it's probably uh, better for you overall, and you know, better for your better for your progress. Yeah, I think that's true. And um, we um, we did a an interview a long time ago, um, Alois, with uh, a famous table tennis player in Melbourne and Australia, Brian Berry. Yes. We should dig that up and find a link to that because he was um he started off as not the the best junior in the world but he kept persisting and kept persisting and then got some real um real success later on in his career. Yeah, in fact, I think he only started playing when he was 18 or 19 or something like yeah. that. Um yep. Um so you know had never really played uh, played the game before that. But Developed a love for what he was doing, enjoyed every minute that he was out on the table, you know, did, I mean, put some hours in, but, um, yeah. you know, never, never, never did 30, 40 hours a week. Um, but yeah, just really loved what he was doing and, and, uh, and got totally absorbed in the game. Absolutely. So, yeah, so great tip. So, yeah, just think about, you know, your training, how much do you want to train? How much can you train and how can you enjoy that whole process? Great tip. Great Thanks. tip. Thanks, Jeff. All right. It's always thought provoking your um your tips and answers. Oh, well, that's there you go. I aim to aim to provoke <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now let's move on to the questions. I think. Ah, yes. Yep. Good. I think you're clearly in the right headspace with you know that tip of the week there. First up is one from Ryan and. This relates to something we were talking about in a recent episode as well. He's wondering how to do the backhand loop against backspin, and he's having trouble with it. He's a backhand dominant player, so he prefers to to play with his backhand, but he really struggles with this um, backhand against backspin. So, any tips for Ryan? Yeah, um, it's it's a it's again a stroke that's become more uh, prominent. Um, in the last five, ten years, uh, the backhand topspin against backspin. You know, previously players would try to move around, use their forehand a lot of the time to get around and use your and and um, and open the game up. Uh, but now a lot more players are starting to use their backhand topspin against backspin. The 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 keys are to firstly make sure you're putting your body into a position to be able to play a backhand topspin. Mm. So. If you're if you're chasing the forehand and then the ball comes into your backhand, then you're not firstly mentally you're not prepared for it, and secondly physically you're not in a good position to play the backhand topspin. And then you try and play the backhand and you miss it, and you think, oh, my backhand's no good. So so the first thing is uh, physically try to get yourself in the right position, but also mentally prepare yourself or open up the possibility of playing a backhand topspin. Um, so that that will uh, you know physically what that, that will do is it'll square you up a bit more to the table. Um, so then yep. the second thing is just the simplicity of the stroke. Um, like all of the the strokes that we really encourage, it's about how simple you can make them, not trying to make it too complex. Start low, finish high, brush the ball on contact. 
Um, it's the same as the forehand topspin, but now it's the backhand topspin, same principles. Um, we've got a we've got a tutorial on the backhand topspin off backspin. You can go and have a look at that for the technical side of things, and I'd really encourage you to do that. Um, uh, but here, the principle that I'd really want to stress is keep it simple, but also make sure you're entertaining the fact that you can play a backhand topspin in the rally as well. Yeah. Now, there's a number of ways you could sort of approach this from a training perspective, isn't there? You could just get someone to – you could serve a backspin serve. They could push it to your backhand. You could maybe use multi-ball because that way you could get a lot of um, a lot of balls in a short period of time. Is there, is there any better method for practising something no. like this? I think I think initially multi-ball can be good just – so, uh, just to get a, a nice simple ball um, to get the feel of the the stroke, um, but then yeah, I think then moving to you know just a simple backspin serve, get the get your partner to push the ball into your backhand area, play the backhand topspin. Uh, you might even just stop the rally there and go again, serve, push, and topspin, uh, just to get the feel of that stroke um, during a rally. I think that's really important. Um, and then, then you can start to develop your serve because as you not, uh, get to a more game-like serve, then the mm. ball that comes back to you is also a bit different. It's going to have a bit different spin, speed, a little bit different flight. So then uh, you need to adjust to that as well and, and make that backhand top spin. So, so yeah, um, lots of... Um, Lots of things to think about. Lots of ways that you can improve that backhand topspin in the training situation, um, and then you know, then see how you, you can transfer that into the game situation as well. Yeah, cool. Makes a lot of sense. All right, Ryan. So hopefully that helps. Um, but keep persisting with it because, like we've said many times, developing the ability to turn to transfer that backspin ball into an attacking shot through the topspin will really transform your game. It'll make it hard for players to stop you attacking and you'll just your level will just rise just by um, improving those shots. So keep at it. All right. Next up is a question from Jasper. Who wants to know who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time for choppers? Yeah, this is, um, this is a harder one, isn't it? Because we don't... Um... Yeah, we um, we don't um, put a lot yeah. of emphasis on that, um, but I think well, you I know, think me, the reason we don't is because you just don't see them that often these days. Yeah, true. Now, now you don't. That's right. But um, I mean, the 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 best chopper I've seen um, is Jose Hyuk, and so I saw him um, at the World Championships when he came runners up to uh, um, to Schlager. Mm. Um, and uh, and he was just incredible. Like, I mean, <laughs> the things he was doing with the ball, uh, just his, firstly, his defensive ability, um, especially off the backhand side, but the more impressive thing was just his attacking ability off the forehand. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, for me, yeah, he's, to, 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 be, to get to runner-up at the World Championships is... Um, Wow, really, really impressive for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, yeah. It it shows how good he, he was, doesn't it? Yeah. Um who's who's the best you've seen, Jeff? I know you've you've played against a few really good choppers. Oh, I played against Ding Song. He was yeah, just, just unbelievable. Um but again, these guys are like attacking choppers too. So 
you know, they, they do this heavy chop and you spin it up to their forehand and they just absolutely smash it back past you. <laughs> so it's really hard because if you don't play a really strong, aggressive shot, you're in trouble. And then, you know, they're chopping so well and low and deep. It's really hard. I mean, those guys, amazing ability. And and the interesting thing is there's not many of them because um, the top players can actually you know, beat them even though they're playing this sort of amazing game. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I guess yeah. that goes to show the quality of the, the attacking players as well. Yeah. Um, but then I think, you know, if you go back to like um, the 80s maybe, there, there were probably more choppers then. And I think, you know, China used to always have a chopper in their team. I think there was one called Wang Hao, not the penhold um, reverse backhand Wang Hao, but same name. But he was a chopper that was always, you know, thereabouts and pretty yeah. good Chinese team. Yeah, there was Ding Song as well in 95. Yep, uh, yep, yep. So yeah. so Ding, yeah. And again, I saw him a few years before that and he he was very impressive. Um, but, you know, looking, looking through the list of world champions, you know, like you've got to go a long way back and I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... You're going back to, uh, yeah, maybe Scholler. Scholler, who came runner-up in 69 from Germany. Yeah. Uh, before um, uh, Juicy Hyuk. Um, yeah, so. It would be really good to see a, a chopper win the world, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it would uh, revolutionise the game a bit, I think, if, uh, if yes. they did. Um, and then you know, then you're back to the the fifties, and that's a completely different time and different um, yeah different game. So you just yeah. didn't they didn't have the the technology with the bats, did they, to generate so much topspin? No, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't be so attacking. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I'm gonna have to go with Juicy uh, Hook as well here. Yeah. The goat for jobbers. Yep. There you go. We Not- agree on something, Jeff. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Amazing. (laughs) All right. Next up is a question from Ramesh. Um, Oh, well, thank you for that question as well, Jasper. Another thought-provoking question. Uh, But next up is one from Ramesh who says, um, Hello, Alois. Hope your family is doing fine during these challenging times. It certainly is. I think Australia is doing pretty well, though, Alois. I feel kind of lucky compared to Europe seems to be. Yeah, it's, in, it's really and America tough. and India, yeah, a lot of the world seems to be struggling at the moment yeah, with these. Really, yeah, really feel sorry for some of those countries, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, you guys out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, a vaccine's developed, but yes, we'll, we'll keep, keep um, hoping. Yeah, indeed. So Ramesh has asked this question about, playing close to the table so he has a habit that when he serves he tends to just go back straight away and he wants to stay closer to the table for his shots to be more consistent so do you have any tips for Ramesh yeah so Ramesh I think the one of the main one of the main things with that that I often see is actually nothing to do with your strokes or anything like that it's actually about the tension in your mm-hmm. in your arm in your body. So what happens is that in a in a match situation, 
if you're if you're a little bit tight, tense, nervous, you're not seeing the ball as early as clearly, and it's also really to lift your arm to make an attacking stroke it's much easier to just push the ball back or or uh, be defensive um, playing an attacking stroke can often be much more difficult when your shoulder um, and body body starts to tighten up so for me that's probably the real issue here is getting control of that your emotional level being able to stay calm enough to see the ball early, to relax your body, to then allow yourself to play those attacking strokes that I'm sure you're doing well in a practice situation. But as you're saying in the match situation, as soon as the match starts, then you start to go backwards and and um, and become more defensive. So um, yeah, it's always it's always an interesting one. And then and then you and. All of you out there would have felt that same situation at, at some different stages where you just become really defensive in a tight situation. You know, you, you just end up pushing the ball back and playing really conservatively um, rather than allowing it, your body to play your play your strokes, especially if you're an attacking player, allowing yourself to, to get out there and play some uh, some more attacking strokes. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Ramesh said that. Yeah, he's just playing those weak shots and, and not really playing those attacking but he also says that some observers tell him that he's moving further away from the table as well. Yeah. And yeah. I think, again, that's that's just that defensive mindset, you know. So uh, as soon as you tighten up, you you sort of – well, one, you're not seeing the ball as early and quickly. So, so you, you step back yeah. Yeah, to give yourself a bit more time. Um and then, uh, yeah, as you start to struggle for time, you're putting the popping the ball up higher, allowing your opponent to attack first. So then that naturally pushes you back away from the table. Yeah. All right. So good tips. Yeah. So Ramesh, take a look at the sports psychology section on the website. I'll put a link in the show notes as well, because I think this can benefit a lot of people. It's such a huge part of sport in general these days, isn't it? That that preparation and making sure um, you're not too nervous and you you've got the right mindset just to play your best table tennis. Yeah, exactly. And and it, um, I think the first one, a first uh, tutorial in the sports psych section there is about how to recognise your feelings. So mm. you know, understanding that oh okay, my I am starting to tighten up here, and that's the reason that I'm starting to force myself or, or being forced away from the table as well. Yeah, and and when you say it like that, it kind of sounds obvious. But if you're just used to just turning up and playing, you might not have even given it a thought about you know your mental approach as you as you start a game. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. So yeah, Ramesh. Hopefully those tips help you out. Make sure to check check on the that especially that first video, recognizing your feelings. All right. Next up is a question from Jared, who says. I recently played an opponent who would smash high balls with backspin and side spin. He goes, it was extremely difficult to adjust to this. So how would you return a stroke like this? And is it a good change up to confuse my opponent every once in a while? Yes. <laughs> well, the the old chop smash, as we call it. Um, <laughs> um, it's um, It can be a really difficult stroke to return because the ball's got a bit of side spin, a bit of backspin the balls it's not coming straight at you with some straight topspin or flat 
No, um, and that backspin, if it if it goes on, tends to make it just kind of go up and up and up and just get away from you really quickly. Yeah, it lifts on you, doesn't it? And really, yeah. Uh, and sometimes it can lift and and be even too high for you to reach while you're still standing in the court. Um, so it can be an effective shot, um, Jared. But on the flip side, I never encourage a player to to use it because it's um it it, it for me it just increases the risk for not much reward um, or not not enough reward. Mm. So you know the, the risk is the risk is quite high because if you're hitting that ball with side spin and backspin, then it's it's not going directly onto the table. And if that ball is really high, you're in a really dominant position. Yeah. In the rally. So, you know, from that from there, if you make a, a proper smash, you should win, you know, nine out of ten, probably more points. Yeah. So um yeah, then reverting to the the, the chop smash is it's it's a nice party trick and it uh, sort of feels good when you do it but um, if you're really after that point I'd just uh, encourage just a, a a good flat smash most of the time absolutely couldn't agree more risk reward it's not it's just not worth it maybe in a practice match if you just want to try something for a bit of fun but if you're there to win that point I just yeah. The, if you miss a chop smash, you'll be kicking yourself. And like you said, you play a normal smash, you hardly ever miss a normal smash, and you're in such a dominant position, you're going to win most of the points anyway. That's it. Yeah, Take totally. The point. Yep. But, I mean, I think Jared's just seen how effective it can be. But, you know, I'd almost be, if I was Jared, I'd be encouraging that opponent <laughs> to keep, you know, doing a chop smash when they get in that position because they're going to start missing. Yeah, good point. Give them a, give them a clap. Tell them how good tell them how good you think the smash is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dear. All right, some great questions. And um, that brings us on now to OMG Facts. Yeah. Well, now, is this is this show going somewhere? We've got some jokes finally, and we got some <laughs> OMG facts. Hang on, I've just, I've just got to get my pen and paper go. Yep, okay, well, I'm ready. Ready. It's been proven. Yep. You hardly even need to say that because it's a it's an OMG fact. Yeah. It's been proven to be harder to tell a convincing lie to someone you find personally attractive. Proven. Proven. And here you go. Heartbreak can literally kill you. Damage from a breakup or loss of a loved one can lead to a heart attack. Really? OMG fact. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you haven't hit the. I, you know, right now I'm 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 going with the jokes of the week. But yeah, go on. <laughs> um, Castoreum, C A S T O R E U M, Castoreum. It's actually beaver anal juice, <laughs> and is most commonly found as flavor enhancer in raspberry products. No. OMG fact. Castoreum. C-A-S-O-R-E-U-M. Beaver anal juice. I will be checking labels of red things from now on. Flavor enhancer in raspberry products. Fact. Flavor enhancer? Uh, yes. Okay. On any given day, 400 million people across the globe will have sexual intercourse, which means that about 4,000 probably are right now. 
Gee, this is getting a bit R-rated, isn't it? It is getting R-rated, Jeff. What is going on with this OMG um, thing? (laughs) My goodness, we might have to put a rating on the show. Exactly. Exactly. Boy, all right. Um, Bookkeeper and its derivatives are the only words in English with three consecutive double letters. Book, B, double O, double K, double E. P, E, R, yeah. Good. I, I always struggle spelling bookkeeper because I don't know whether to double that K. But <laughs> Well, now you'll remember it. Now I remember it. Bookkeeper. Yes. And I think I've, I think I'm getting a sense of deja vu. I've mentioned this before. My friend in primary school or start of high school lived in Wool Street, W-O-O-L-L. S. Yeah, but that's not really a double letter. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but when you say it like that, it's, you have to say double. Oh, Jeff. Double you. Um, <laughs> you're on. You're on the ball. Well no, I am on the ball. Thankfully, oh, one of us is. All right, and then here you go. This is really last one, and this is kind of relevant to us because we use this platform quite a bit. But Steve Chen worked at Facebook for a few weeks before quitting to do his own startup. It was called YouTube. There you go. Really? I think that was a good decision to quit, wasn't it? Well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. It's YouTube. Billions of dollars to Google. YouTube's quite popular now. <laughs> I think it's going to take off. <laughs> uh, well, that's fantastic. Well, yes, you you finished you finished strongly with the OMG facts, Jeff. Indeed, yeah, yeah. A middle bit was a bit of a concern, but you know, yeah, that's what Custer you get Yeah, I will be checking red products. You <laughs> on it. Indeed. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we don't know why you do, but we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, thank you, Alois, for all your wisdom. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And, oh, happy Halloween, too. Oh, yes. Happy Halloween. And, yeah, enjoy it and, you know, stay safe. And we will get through this COVID crisis eventually, I'm sure. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, and...